Welcome to the People of Canterbury Baptist, a podcast where we meet the people of Canterbury Baptist Church in Melbourne, Australia, hear their stories and explore ideas relevant to our church and community. My name is Janine and for today's podcast, we meet Ruth. Hello, Ruth, on this wet day. Hi, how are you going? I'm going really well. I hope you are and you're all up for this. Yes. Okay. Now, Stephen always asks every time, asks people where they were born and I'm sure everybody would love to know where you were born. Well, I was born at St George's Hospital, not too far from here. So, Wow. And how did you come to be born then? Where, where were your, what were your parents doing that um, they'd be around here? So they were, as the story goes, as I'm told, mm-hmm. um, they were cleaning a, or they were the church cleaners for a church in Blackburn, um, but they were attending Blackburn Baptist. Um, and so they were living in the church manse. Mm. So did you grow up in Blackburn? Um, we actually, um, my parents were missionaries, so they, um, after I was born, I was about two and a half, and they decided to go back to the mission field. Mm. So we were in West Papua for about three years um, before we came back, and we moved around a bit um, as they tried to find a place to settle. Um, so yes, and then, um, from about the age of seven, we lived around Blackburn, Nunawading Forest Hill area. Ah, so do you, do you have memories of West Papua and Melbourne in those early days then, or just Um, Melbourne? My memories start from West Papua. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And what sort of memories? So I remember the house that we lived in. We had um, two dogs mm-hmm. who were, um, I guess, guard dogs for us. My father would go on extended trips interior, so into the mountains, um, and leave my mom and myself mm. and my brother um, by ourselves. At that, um, because my father was a national, we weren't able to stay in the compounds with um, the other. Um, missionaries, so we were living in a house um, in the main city. Can you explain that a bit more? I'm not sure what that means, so other people listening might not either. Um, I think back um, back in the good old days, um, my father's Indonesian, my mum's Australian, um, and mixed race mar- marriages were quite uh, were frowned upon even if both parties were Christian. Um, So they had a lot of difficulty when they first got married, being accepted by um, mission organisations, but their heart was always to travel um, and be missionaries. So, um, yes, they um, found a mission organisation that would accept them, but our accommodation was in a house. Um, not part of the other <laughs> places. My goodness. And, and each, each, like there was a Canadian compound, there was an Australian compound, each country had their own 
um, sort of areas from my memory. So right. we were right next door to the Canadian compound, right. um, which had a lot of high fences from memory and um, it was Goodness. like an apartment building. I remember we had friends there, so we'd often go and visit them. Right. So you say the difficulty in accepting your parents' mixed-race marriage, were some of the missionaries more accepting than others then? There were a lot, a lot of the, mission, the, actual, the missionaries, not those in leadership, ah, right. um, were quite accepting of my parents. Um, mm. So my parents have good friends who are missionaries. Right. Um, it was more the people in leadership who um, had issues. It's difficult to understand now. Mm, it is. It's yeah. almost impossible to understand. <laughs> Gosh, and your dad had the language then? Yes. Um, so was he able to teach the other missionaries? Well, in West Papua it's um, more an Indigenous society, so mm. think of Aboriginal Mm. Australians here, mm. um, their language was, and Bahasa Indonesian is not the official, like no. it's not the language that everyone speaks in Indonesia. It was a language created so people could communicate across um, ethnic groups. Mm. Um, but in Indonesia, there's many, many different languages. So one of my father's jobs was to travel to um, villages and translate the by um, trans or record them speaking in their language, and then they would translate um, Bible material to help them do Bible studies in the village, right? Into mm -hmm. their language, right? And he spoke one of the people groups' language in that area. Um. From memory, he didn't. Oh, right. But, um, but he worked with missionaries who understood the language groups, and he was the technical person. Right. So, oh, yes. amazing stuff. And then they came back and yes. to find their place in Melbourne where they best belong. So, what did your dad land on? So, my father um, is quite good mechanically, so he. Um, found employment at car mechanics um, and then he moved from that into engineering um, and electrical engineering. Mm, okay. So we're, we're in this stage of your childhood and what your parents were doing. Tell us a bit more about your childhood and what were the best and the worst parts? Well, we start with some of the best things <laughs> that you remember. Um, I think probably my fondest memories come from when I was in West Papua. Um, I think it was a place like there was a lot of things to explore and discover. Um, hopping on a little Cessna flying into the mountains. My brother went to boarding school um, out in the mountains, so... Um, yes, hopping on a Cessna and flying out there with him to drop him off every term or, and pick him up and exploring the area around. Yes. So is he older than you? He is older than me. Right, that's why he was going to school and you weren't? Well, 
they the um, boarding school started at seven. Like you had needed to be seven years old to start mm-hmm. there, um, and it was run by an Australian mission organisation. Um, we weren't eligible for the international school because we, my father was a national. Um, so we did. I did um, distance education with the Victorian Education Department mm. um, at home with Mum. Mm. Well, thinking about your childhood still then, what were some of the worst things? If we're thinking primary school age, did you have any hassles at all? Um, so primary school probably wasn't the happiest time for me, um, especially coming back to Australia um, and having done homeschooling going into a school setting I did I wasn't familiar with the um, the structure of a school classroom so um, mm. that was quite difficult um, socially I think I went to a lot of small Christian schools um, which were very white um, and yes I wasn't a very pleasant time for me. So. Mm, mm. Do you remember being shocked by the whiteness? Was it that unusual, even though you'd mixed with the missionaries? Not, not really. Mm. Like for me, it didn't feel like anything different. Right. Um, but I guess for other people going into a school where you, your skin colour is different to mm. theirs, you. Mm. I guess culturally I wasn't familiar with the Australian culture mm. Mm. Um, and play, yeah. Mm. And did teachers help very much or not? Not particularly. I um, had some very strict teachers mm. um, and, yes. Well, I'd like to come back to that when we talk about your life now. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing that you are now a teacher, I think it would be good to pick that up. Um, well, when you think about your childhood, what foods spring to mind? <laughs> Were they different from what you cook for your family now or what members of your family cook now? So food was very much um, Indonesian-based, so my father... Um, is quite good at cooking, so he um, would cook a lot of the meals or and occasionally, like mum would cook as well, but mum worked a lot, um, so they shared the cooking load. They were um, modern. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yes, yeah, so all our meals were with rice, so we would have roast with rice, we'd have bolognese with rice. <laughs> um, <laughs> Pasta and potatoes weren't very big in our household. Um, so now when I cook, um, we have bolognese with pasta. <laughs> we Fancy that. Roast with potatoes, <laughs> although I, I discovered quite late that I can't eat potatoes. So, um, yeah. Do you yeah. feel like sharing why? I'm – I – discovered I've got an allergy to potatoes. Really? Specifically to potatoes? Yes. How awful. I couldn't couldn't live. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Yes. 
Okay. <laughs> mm. So would you say that your food patterns have changed a lot then from your childhood? They have, but I've I've still kept we always when I was growing up we always had vegetables with our um evening meals and so that's carried through to um our our meals are always very much there has to be a vegetable of some sort mm. or two. Mm. Yes. Mm. So still in this primary school age, who stands out for you? Who affected your life and for the Ruth that you became? Um, so I guess my mum, I was very close to my mum growing up. I think um, our time in West Papua being just us two, a lot of the time, um, we were very close and we still are very close. Um, but I would rely on my mum a lot, especially on um, on days when things hadn't gone very well at school. Mm. Yes, you had a bit of trauma there on picking up. <laughs> so when you went into high school years, did things improve school-wise? Um, they did. I in year nine, I moved from um, one of the Christian schools that I was at to Blackburn High, um, which was it was a really good experience for me. Mm. I made friends for the first time. Um, I felt accepted. I was very big into music, and so that's why I went to. Blackburn High gained a music scholarship um, there. So um, I found other people who really loved music mm. and making music um, and cre very creative people. Mm. So, What form did the music take? What did you play? So I, um, I played piano, I played flute and I sang. Wow. Yes. And did you take part in, you know, a musical or something like that? Lots concerts? Lot, we did a lot of concerts. So um, I think everyone was so busy in orchestras and choirs that they never had time to do a musical. <laughs> so, um, yes, but we, we toured, we went to Canberra and sang at Parliament House in mm. Canberra. We sang at lots of different events and venues, played music mm. at different um, events. Mm. So it was it was a really, um, really good time. That's great. So you moved on into your senior years then at Blackburn High. Yes. Yeah. And how were they? Um, so when I got to year eleven, I think. Um, I um, I started to develop mental health issues, and I think um, I was a perfectionist. So, um, yes, I was quite tough on myself through that year, um, and I got to a point where I would have. Um, very severe headaches. I was having panic attacks. Um, and by the time I got into year 12, um, 
it just became too difficult for me and I left, I left school. Right. So were you working too hard? What form did it take? What what were you doing to to be a perfectionist? And were you, you know, did you have spare time or did you just drive yourself? What was actually happening? Um, so I was, if I, I'd not um, developed, I guess, the skills to ask for help if I didn't understand things. And if I didn't understand, then I'd, become quite stressed and frustrated about um, that and, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, so you said you left school. So yes. what stage of year 12 was that? It was within the first term. Um, my grandfather had just passed away and I was quite close to him as well um, and had... <laughs> had this one English teacher who was a fairly strong feminist and she'd given us a Germaine Greer article to review and write an opinion about. So I wrote my opinions, which obviously didn't agree with her opinions. Um, And after being away from school for a couple of weeks after my grandfather's death, I came back to school and... um, I vividly remember receiving my marks for this assignment and there was red pen all over it. Um, And I walked out of school and didn't go back. (laughs) Right. So, and you didn't have the skills to know who to go and talk to, what to do? No. Um, We had been working with the school because through year 11 I'd um, had a lot of difficulty. Right. So I finished year 11 with only three subjects. Right. But and they gave me special consideration to go on to year 12. And did somebody in particular help you there? Was there a chaplain or a counsellor or something? There was a chaplain and um, my year level coordinator was quite helpful. Mm. Um, she, um, I think I, I was putting a lot of pressure on myself. Mm. So... Um, she and I think she had an expectation and a standard for the class, which, when you're a perfectionist and you hear you're not to when they're saying to the class mm. you need to do more, you need to do more, mm. you hear that as she's talking to you directly. So I was putting more pressure on myself to need to do more, and I remember sitting with my mom and her mm. in a meeting, and she's saying, "I wasn't saying that to you mm. specifically." Yes, that is very common. Yes. Yes. So if you were with a Year 11 student now who was in that position, you know, pushing themselves to achieve or even yourself back then, what would you like to say to them from what you've learnt now? I've I've actually been in this position with my own children. (laughs) So what I say to them is it's okay not to get 100%. Mm. You just need to do what you need to do to pass. Mm. Um, As long as you're learning and understanding what you're doing, that's all that matters. Um, 
And as long as you're putting in your best effort. Yes. Yes, yes. We're all different, yeah. all different kind of learners. But nobody did say it exactly like that or it didn't get through to you. It, Which was it? I think it just didn't get through. Mm. I did have people saying that. Mm. But I think um, I grew up in that sort of Asian culture where you needed to do very well, um, get A's or higher, be the best in the class. That's surprising to me to hear you say that because I thought it was mothers, um, Asian mothers have this reputation yeah. of being fierce and pushing. So how was this for you? Can you explain that a bit more? I think that's a very Western stereotype. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's good you're here to correct. <laughs> yes, I think it comes from the fathers as well. So, And I think coming from a culture where education is highly prized and education is what gets you out of poverty, um, that pressure on children to achieve and be the best um, you sort of like now I understand where that comes from but as a child growing up you don't mm. understand that you just feel that pressure mm. um, so you had a break over year 11 and 12 and um, back into year 12 and it wasn't long before it all fell apart so did you get some good counseling then when you walked out of school um, I'd, I'd had a good psychologist who I've been working with through year 11 um, and into year 12. Um, I tried distance education, um, but I, I had lost motivation to study. Um, so I got behind on that and um, then started looking for something else. To do. Did that make you tumble in self-esteem or did you just take that in your stride then? Um, my self-esteem was quite low um, to the point where I was quite suicidal. Um, and there was one point where I, I had this battle with myself and God, going, what's my purpose in life? Why am I here? And I failed. Um, there's no hope. Um, and I remember picking up all the medication that I was on at the time and taking it to my room. Um, but in that, I was also praying and asking God to help and to show me, give me some sign that there was life worth living, <laughs> there mm. was hope. Mm. Um, and I remember getting to my room and stepping over, stepping past the doorway and it was like this huge, big weight just lifted off my shoulders. I can't explain it. Nothing else had changed in those few seconds. But I just stopped and I was like, what am I doing? And God has a plan. Don't know it yet. 
that I just need to trust. Mm. It was was one of those moments where God stepped in and intervened and said, you don't need to do this. Mm. I've got you. That's amazing. So you knew God was there and on your case. Yes. Mm. So you had a relationship with God before that? Yes. I think um, my relationship with God is what got me through my early years, my primary years. Um, Mm. Yes. I would often sit in... We used to have this tunnel, those big concrete tunnels in our school playground, and I would sit and hide in there away from the um, kids who would tease me, and I would just pray mm. and talk to Jesus because mm. <laughs> he was my only friend at the time. Right. I was going to say, what was your favourite term for Jesus? Was it friend or shepherd or lord or king or what so was it friend it was definitely friend when i was younger Mm. and has that changed then um i think it's i've matured in my faith and Mm. understanding of god so and jesus and i understand him to be even more than just a friend he is lord of my life Mm. and um Mm. Well, that was absolutely life-changing that you had intended um, to to do your life in and then feeling the presence of God that changed you. So what happened to you then? Or did you go and get a job? Um, Well, at that stage I just started um, with the Wycliffe Bible Translators with their drama team. I um, found out through someone from my church that they were starting up a drama team and um, I was quite interested in pursuing drama and theatre and um, Mm. so I just joined them. Um, Yes, and I think it was a turning point in my life. It sounds like it. sounds like the God-given boom gift there for you. Well, I think that would be a great place to stop for a break now. And would you be prepared to come back and talk to us again? Sure. <laughs> that would be fabulous. Wow. Um, thank you very much, Ruth. And thank you to everyone who has tuned in to listen This podcast is produced by Stephen Field and presented by Janine Wood on behalf of Canterbury Baptist Church, Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email cbc at canterburybaptist.org. If you are a member or regular attender of this church, how about you get in touch with Ruth directly and thank her for her contribution today. Theme music is the song The First Step by Andrew Naylor from his album Two Stones. This album is available wherever you purchase or stream your music. Join us next time as we continue our chats with the people of Canterbury Baptist.